You're now listening to a new episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. Gratitude instills humility. Gratitude removes ego. Gratitude helps empower the best in others around you. Our goal is to guide individuals and companies to practice gratitude so you can live a longer, happier, and more successful life. Get ahead of life with connection and purpose. This is Gratitude Through Hard Times with Chris Shembra. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. For those of you who have been loyal listeners of this podcast, you may remember this podcast previously being titled 747 Conversations. On June 22nd, 2022, we released our second book here at 747, which was titled Gratitude Through Hard Times. It hit number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, and we heard feedback from a lot of you that found that the principles of science and the science and psychology of gratitude that we put in that book really helped you get through some of your moments of adversity through a challenging couple of years. So we decided to rebrand our entire podcast just for you. For all you loyal listeners, we thank you for your support. Some of my favorite moments on a weekly basis are when you email in any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns from this week's episode guest and share them at our email in the link in the bio below. For all you new listeners, I want to give you a big old welcome. You've stumbled upon a podcast series where we bring on some of the world's great leaders to share the stories of how gratitude shows up in their life and the people that help them get to where they are today. If you look back through our episode archives, you will see over 220 episodes filled with everything from Fortune 50 executives, Grammy Award winners, Academy Award winners, Super Bowl champions, Hall of Fame athletes, and more. We aim to bring people on to share the human side of their leadership, not the go-to-market strategy, not how they made their first billion. So if you're looking for those stories, go elsewhere. I encourage you to click that subscribe button because if you enjoy this episode, we'd appreciate your loyal listenership and we can't wait to see you on the next episode. Today, I have to make a big apology. Most of you loyal listeners are used to hearing my voice uh, through a pretty good microphone, through my stereo Audio-Technica headset. Now today, we've run into technical difficulties, and I apologize, I apologize in advance for the lack of quality, at least on my side. Our guest here today, he's got a great microphone, and he sounds good. Today, we have Alex Ritter on the phone. Alex is coming into us live from Switzerland, across the waters from where I'm recording here in Brooklyn, New York. Alex and I met a couple weeks ago, and we had such a wonderful conversation about life that we wanted to bring this conversation to you. He is vice president of global sales at the ADECO Group. The ADECO Group, get this a $20 billion per year in revenue recruiting firm uh, 
based out of Europe. You've heard the name, and now you're going to hear the human side behind some of their sales success. In addition to being vice president of global sales, he is also an ambassador for their Win for Youth philanthropy program. It's one of their CSR initiatives uh, to give back to disadvantaged children and young people. It's a program that he helped, um, you know, has championed. Uh, the program began back in 2010, and they've helped a lot of people around the world um, really build a good, a good foundation for success. Today, we're going to be talking about gratitude as it shows up in, in global sales success. There's probably no better sales leader to talk to about this topic than Alex. So we're grateful for his attention and his uh, dedication uh, to your learning. So without further ado, Alex. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Chris. Thank you. It's quite an intro. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I I made it all up. It's all <laughs> bull honky, but no, in all reality, his uh, his bio, which all of you can read in the show notes below, um, it's a true honor to have him that he took the time to be here with us today. Um, now, Alex, all of our listeners are familiar with a specific question we like to ask at the start of every podcast. And you've even done your homework about us and you listen to a few of the episodes and you heard the signature gratitude question. But for all the new listeners, I want to set the scene. This podcast is the uh, kind of is seven years in the making journey of us asking a very specific gratitude question around the dinner table, at our gratitude experiences. And this podcast is an extension of that, of those experiences. And so I always like to start off with the same question. Alex, and I want you to dive deep because you've thought about this question. If you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, who would that be? Well, Chris, I think it'd be impossible for me to say I haven't thought about thanking them at this point because obviously I've been thinking about this question. And I struggled with finding the right person because I love thanking so many people all the time. But I don't think I can ever thank my dad enough for all he's done to make me who I am today. So though I thought about my children, thought about my wife, I thought about my my mom, I've thought about coworkers. There is a numerous amount of people I would love to give thanks to. And, and I try to every year, um, every day even. Um, but in the end, I, I couldn't pull away from thinking about my dad and just how much he's you know impacted my life so positively. You say that you can never thank your dad enough. How do you measure that enoughness? Is it a uh, an answer based on quality or quantity or like what what is that enoughness look like? I think there is no kind of finish line, right? There's the infinity of gratefulness that you have. And as you continue to, you know, appreciate what people do for you and how they've impacted your life, that there's an aspect of, I don't believe that gratitude has a finite limit to it. So I don't, I don't measure, I don't measure it in numbers or cents, which is kind of hard for a sales guy, right? Like I'm supposed to be all about my numbers, but for me, it's a, an emotional feeling being able to go to bed and be like, God, I hope people realize that, that I really appreciate them and that I really think they do some cool things and it's had a positive impact on me. 
So first of all, what's your dad's name? Rick. Rick. Cheers to Rick. If you're listening to the, is he still with us? He's still with us. He's still, he's still oh, with uh, us. Well, if, Rick, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you for raising a great son. And uh, it, it, it really sounds like Alex loves you. So can't wait to meet you sometime through the years. But um, it's so interesting you say, and this is a new term that we've never heard, the infinity of, gra- of gratefulness, the infinity of gratitude. Gratitude has no finite end. Gratitude has no destination. Can you elaborate on that? Ooh, yeah, um, I'm not sure if those are exactly my words, but I like it. So I think, what do I mean by that? I mean that it's not the thank you card. And I definitely grew up right in the thank you card every Christmas, every birthday to my grandma. And I think that is the initiation of thanks. But it's giving her a phone call or my dad a phone call on random nights and saying, hey, thank you for taking the time to speak with me and tell me about your life story and help me through my own challenges. And it's not, I don't think it's like, gosh, I thank them enough. Like, I am so happy to work with people and think of people in a way that drives me to be a better person that I can't be a perfect person. So I have to be grateful for all the people who continuously make me better. Can't be a perfect person. That's, that's my feeling on it. I can't be perfect. I want to come back to that topic in just a little bit, especially as it relates to sales success and the need to strive for perfection and quotas and targets and all these kind of things. Um, you mentioned that gratitude for you is not necessarily just the thank you card. Can, can sometimes the thank you card be seen as an object of social reciprocity or obligatory thanks? Like you met, you might write it because you've been told you have to write it, uh, but you're talking about practicing gratitude because you want to practice it. Is there a difference there? I mean, I think to that point of like the the scale of gratitude, there's there's certainly a difference in level of how you illustrate your gratitude and thanks for others. So there is definitely a difference. I don't necessarily think that the obligatory thank you card or I guess this Christmas season, the obligatory Christmas card is a bad thing. But I think there is a reality of levels of how you go about showing it and the consistency in which you show it as well. So I, I don't think it's... Uh, for for some of our listeners out there that I know a lot of you have read our book, you'll know in our book we write about um, when 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 your gratitude practice mainly consists of formulaic um, you know, commoditized, I need to show thanks in this way. Um, if your gratitude practice is mainly consisting of that, um, it's probably, it's doing, it's doing good. Uh, but it, it's not, it's not using gratitude to its fullest. What we advocate is that you practice gratitude when you genuinely want to give that gratitude, when you genuinely feel that emotion of gratitude. So I'd rather, I'd rather you uh, create an action of gratitude in a spontaneous moment that you're feeling consciously aware of a grateful emotion and give it only then than uh, some obligatory formulaic, you know, way. 
I, I love the idea of the emotion with the thank you card. And I think, or, or not thank you activity, the gratitude illustration, right? I think um, one thing that I remember doing um, when I was running a, a global program is I you know, wrote handwritten letters to every single person in the program, 60 people. And I purposely called out specific things that they did throughout the program because it, it, it was about them and it was about showing thanks for how they taught me different ways to do things. But I emotionally got a lot of benefit from it and mm-hmm. being able to put my name to it and say, I am so thankful for you. And I'm not sure that that happens necessarily on the obligatory drives. Like, I don't want to say it's about me, but there is a mutual gratification you get uh, from receiving and giving gratitude in an uh, altruistic way. Yeah, mo- most people studies show Um, most people overestimate the perceived feelings of awkwardness of giving gratitude and underestimate the actual goodness it will feel to receive the gratitude. And so we prevent ourselves from showing gratitude in the first place because we think it'll be weird, it'll be awkward, and then that person will feel like they owe me something if I give them gratitude. It's not weird, but you just said it feels good to give and it feels good to receive. I mean, for me, absolutely. And I mean, this probably goes into a a separate potential discussion on uh, cultural dimensions and how different cultures might perceive gratitude and how awkward they feel in it. But uh, I would, I fully agree for me, it's a mutual feeling of positivity. Studies back you up that say gratitude feels good to give and gratitude feels good to receive. And especially in a dyadic relationship. So folks, if you're, if you've read through our books or through our Rolling Stone uh, articles, you'll hear me talk about the word dyadic a lot. That's a relationship based on two parts. There's a giver and a receiver. There's a person A, there's a person B. I want to add one element to what Alex was just talking about is gratitude practiced in groups. Now, gratitude practice in groups feels good to give, feels good to receive. There's a third element to that. It feels good to observe. And um, in our book, we write about Sarah Algoe's research study called the witnessing theory. And what she found in the witnessing theory, she's a researcher out of the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. She finds that when people observe When third-party observers in a community observe Alex giving gratitude to someone else, they're more willing to associate themselves with Alex, the giver of the gratitude, because they see Alex as a grateful person. And they're more willing to associate themselves and help the receiver of the gratitude because they they see that that receiver has done something nice of value of benefit for Alex at some point in their lives worthy of receiving gratitude from Alex. Does that make sense? Totally. I mean, I think, um, well, obviously your studies show it, but I would fully agree in my experience that seeing other people give gratitude, A, I think to your point of people feel awkward about it, it lowers that threshold because now one person's kind of broken that ice. But second of all, you kind of hey, they wouldn't have thanked that person or shown that gratitude if they, that individual hadn't been great. So I think there probably is a level of trust and improvement that happens across the group. In it's that interesting because, you know, when you're thinking about a team and you think about a leader showing gratitude uh, to their team or you think about 
different team members sharing peer-to-peer gratitude to different members of their team, my invitation would be for that gratitude to be given in in kind of like a public setting so that the people on the team are witnessing those pro-social actions of gratitude, which inspires them to participate as well. Couldn't agree more. I like it, Chris. So one of the things that I was really excited to hear you just mentioned in your in a gratitude practice you talked about, which is writing thank you cards. Uh, just like my friend Gina Hamaday, you can read her book, um, I Want to Thank You. She, ran, she went out and, and wrote 365 gratitude letters across 365 days of a year and wrote a whole book about it. What Gina was talking about in her book and what you were just talking about with the gratitude cards or gratitude letters is to be grateful. What we say is to be grateful is to be grateful to someone. Can you talk about hypothetically the differences between being grateful for something or being grateful to someone? I can certainly try, Chris. Um, I'll back you up. Don't worry. All right. All right. Well, Perhaps we'll use my dad, right? Since I said I'm super grateful for him, right? So I think I can be grateful for the things that he's provided me, you know, a great education, support structure. But who he is as a person has allowed me to um, be grateful how he treats others, how he expanded kind of the way I treat um, myself. How do I think about my family? How do I want to interact with the community around me? So it's, it's less about the transaction and more about the emotional journey that I was able to go on because of my gratefulness to, to him as a perhaps an example between being grateful for a thing versus an individual. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the right word, emotion. It's hard to have emotion for a thing. It's easy to have emotion for a person. For instance, we, oh, go ahead. No, I'm always going to say this Christmas time, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see some pretty emotional kids out there during, uh, during Christmas. But like, generally, I, I know where you're going with this. I agree. I'm just uh, thinking about my kids might say on Christmas morning, if I said, you can't show emotion on this. Um. <laughs> <laughs> what? What I, what, I, what I should mean to say is, and, and here's an invitation for all our listeners out there, when you think about something that you're grateful for in your life, like in our book, we have you, you know, think about what are three things you're grateful for in your personal life and your work life and within yourself. If you answer that meditation by saying, you know what, I'm grateful for my health. Well, that's awesome, but it's not measurable. Right. In your gratitude letters, you mentioned thanking these 60 program participants for measurable, specific things you were grateful for. It's very airy fairy, too hard to measure if you say, I'm grateful for my health. But what you can do is say, I'm grateful for my friend Sarah, who recommended a specific book because this book helped me lose 33 pounds. I'm grateful to Sarah. It's a measurable, specific thing that you can tell Sarah that you're grateful for. I'm not grateful for the sunshine. I'm grateful for my friend Niall for helping us find a great home that had big windows, which can give me natural light on a reoccurring basis. I'm grateful for my friend Niall, our real estate broker. 
You see what I mean by that? To be grateful is yeah. to be grateful to someone. Be grateful for the person in a measurable and specific way behind the thing that you're grateful for. I like it. It structures it very uh, emotionally. I mean, I think you end up getting the way. And then you obviously grow a better relationship, cognizance with Niall, your yeah. real estate broker, because you've now thanked him, not my luck for having a nice hotel, a uh, nice yeah. apartment. Ooh. Home, home. What do you think is the relationship between luck and gratitude? Are they similar things? Are they polar opposite things? What might you... Uh, my hunch is that if you are, I mean, look, I'm a generally happy-go-lucky guy, very positive, and that tends to bring a lot of gratitude in me. And I think that there is probably a soft correlation between you know, having positive fortune and mentality to having gratitude towards the people and uh, areas that, you've, that you, you've been spending time with. Um, so I, I, think it, I didn't answer your question directly. But I would say, you know, a positive attitude that includes a grateful uh, disposition towards others is going to lead to more positive interactions, which others might skew as lucky. Mm. Others might skew as yeah, lucky. Or, it's interesting, right? What we think of as gratitude is something that's very agentic, right? Gratitude is a choice and perspective. You can either wake up in the morning and dwell on the negative, or you can wake up in the morning and appreciate the good. The choice is yours. If you live with an attitude of gratitude and a positive disposition, good things or good perspectives, uh, you, you should maintain a good positive perspective on the world around you. Even if the world around you is complete shit, you find positive benefits through that shit. You have a positive mental attitude about that shit. That's an attitude of gratitude. We believe that luck is the polar opposite of that. Luck is when things happen to you. Gratitude is a perspective you take in spite of what happens to you. I like it. It's hard to architect luck but it's very easy to architect gratitude. The choice is yours. I like that. I think that makes sense. Um, thank you. So one of the things you were talking about that we were just talking about is the emotion of gratitude. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the idea that I can be grateful to Niall for providing me big windows and me giving gratitude denial and making him feel seen and heard and appreciated uh, creates an emotional connection between us, especially when I tell him that having big windows and natural sunlight is one of the things that like saves my life during really dark periods of time. That's an emotional connection. Now, Google found in their promotion to emotion study that when you bring emotion into a B2B sale, it helps uh, two parties connect, buyer and the seller in a B2B transaction. And it statistically leads to customers thinking about purchasing more, 
actually purchasing more and wanting to pay the premium more. How does that all correlate? I mean, I think I'm not terribly surprised by this study. I think generally people want to, particularly in the environment when it's not necessarily a single transaction, but it's likely a long-term relationship. People want to do business with people that they like, trust, and have gratitude for because it's a reciprocal mutual relationship where you're looking for a shared success win, um, that it can't just be, hey, I got you this time, I'll get me back the next time. It can't be such a transactional relationship um, where you're not appreciating that both sides have come to the table um, openly and transparently to find success. So I'm not terribly surprised by the study, but I would fully agree with its, uh, its findings that you know, people in general want their transactional and sales or in buy to be a positively good relationship. I mean, I have to wonder how it's going to go at the grocery stores as we go fully automated at some point, because there's definitely a time where I enjoy talking to the, even though my German is horrible, um, to the people checking me out because it's a human interaction and they say thank you to me and kind of, Hey, you want some cookie for your kid? And it's great. I love that store. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you're saying that in a hyper-competitive marketplace, where your product could be similar to a competitor's, the price of your product or service could be similar to competitors. Everything could look the exact same, but at the end of the day, the business will go to the person, either the salesperson or or on the vendors or on the client side, whoever the you know the, the the client representative is, it'll go to the person who's got a better human connection, uh, you know, between the two. Um, kind of parties. Like if the product price way it's delivered is the same, the human element still is what maybe drives the needle. I have to believe so. I mean, I don't think there's a situation where everything is the exact same in the first place. So I think there are these key differentiators in in all transactions. Um, But I think personally through the human interaction and through that interpersonal relationship, you can uncover what are the true needs and pain points of the client um, in order to be able to facilitate the best possible solution for them. Mm. Um, so I think it, it kind of is twofold. I think, yes, at a very base level, if everything is the same, somebody's going to make a decision based upon the people they interact with. Outside that vacuum where there are different aspects from price to size to delivery mechanism to you name it, I think that the person who has a stronger relationship and the people interaction and the, and the safe environment to work together are going to come up with a better solution that differentiates across the different aspects of the sale. Mm. One of the things you just mentioned was a salesperson's ability to understand the pain points, to listen to the challenges that the client has and to create a solution that can solve that, um, you know, that salesperson needs to be good at asking good questions, um, being radically curious, opening up the heart for empathy, listening to the feelings and perspectives that the client has and taking knowledge on that, you know, uh, t- taking action on that knowledge, right? That's, that's empathy. 
uh, right? That's empathizing with the needs of the customer. How does giving thanks, how does giving gratitude to a client or customer set the scene to be able to empathize with them in a better way? It's a great, a great segue um, and, and thought, Chris. I think that it establishes a good empathy. Sorry, let me back up. A good gratitude conversation when you're thanking a person honestly and sincerely and bringing that emotion that you mentioned earlier is going to create an environment where there's more trust and openness for them to have that empathy conversation. Um, and I think it's probably two-way. Like I think good buyers ask a lot of questions. They're empathetic. They're engaged. And by having that mutual aspects that you were talking about, that dyadic relationship, is that what yeah. the right word? Dyadic yeah. relationship you were discussing. Um, it, both sides feel more enjoyable towards each other, and that allows the empathy to roll both ways. And so I think showing gratitude can be a strong way. I mean, to, to start that empathy conversation, but also to, to really kind of allow for a trusted environment. I mean, I think of a lot of these buyers, right, Chris, they're probably getting 100 emails a day from every seller across the world. Why are they going to take my phone call? Why are they going to respond to my email? Like, I have to find a way to get an engagement with them that they find that this is an emotional success for them as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Part of that Google study showed that when, 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 a, when a buyer can see a personal benefit in your product or service, as well as a business benefit, that's one of the solutions. For instance, if you go to a, uh, if, if you can solve the needs of that buyer uh, in, in their personal life, like uh, it, their emotional needs can be met, some physical needs can be met, um, some, some mental well-being can be met, an a, a, a opportunity to join a community and feel less lonely can be met by going with you, that has a higher impact on the propensity to get that sale than just you leading with your business challenges will be met and, you know, this will help your business revenue and, but, you know, like, do you, do you know what I mean there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's lots of sales courses that go in to say, you know, challenge your customer and let them know how you do better. But I think you have to establish a space to have that challenging conversation. And to do that is super important to recognize the, the, They'll thank them, honestly, for the time to have the conversation, to open up the empathy, and then to come through and say, look, I've now been listening to you for the past month and a half. I really thank you for all the time. I've actually had a thought about this. And now I'd like to test a few ideas with you. Do you want, would you, I'd be really wonderful to, you know, have some time with you to talk about, would this take you forward? So fully aligned, man. Like, I'm not surprised. The study itself is not surprising. It's pretty cool to see the uh, the actual results, though. One one of the things that's a big emotional motivator for um, for buyers these days is the opportunity to join customer communities. Um, our right. friends, 
our friends uh, at Jamf, um, uh, a big IT provider of Apple products, actually the largest servicer of Apple products within mm-hmm. the corporate world. Um, Jenny Asaba is their community manager uh, for, for customers. And she constantly is creating community events, um, not only to give gratitude to her customers, but to help connect her customers together so that they can advocate for each other, solve challenges for each other. And like, you know, all these cool things, customer advocacy programs, et cetera. Um, why is it important for, for you all to create communities of your customers for them to meet each other, um, you know, have, you know, feel less lonely, et cetera. Is that an element of sales success for y'all? Um, I think there's an aspect within our environment that we certainly use referrals to <laughs> validate, hey, the, the service qualities and, and the capabilities. Um, I wouldn't say that me, I personally leverage a community type sales approach, um, largely because I have a very, you know, I don't want to say similar, but I work within a certain business area. and. Uh, it's not a lot of clients. And so I want to make sure that I'm very respectful for the, um, you know, the, the Chinese walls that we want to make sure we, we, we yeah. create to make sure that that's fair for GDPR and security. But what I do is I, I create an environment where I share market insight, a lot of market insight, and I share that with them and I, and I garner feedback and then I listen and I try and share it. And, and I do that, you know, without being asked, like that is a key piece of my, um, working relationship with my clients is to share with them information so that they can kind of initiate their own community. Cause a lot of them have their own communities. I know they're, they're asking their other sellers, if you will, different things. And so I, I think there's probably a two sides of this coin of how they are creating their own community and how do I, or should I be creating a community for them? Interesting. The, the cool news is, you know, one of the benefits of community is to help people connect in meaningful ways um, feel a little bit less lonely and, and, you know, that helps the world go around. And by maintaining an attitude of gratitude as a sales team, you're helping solve just that same thing. It's just between the buyer and the seller instead of seller to seller, um, or buyer to buyer. Yeah. And I think it's also common for us to create a community within the client team. So I rarely am working with just one person at the client. I'm usually working with four or five or, you know, some meetings I'm with 25 people. So creating a community within that group so that they feel more comfortable with each other can be ah. a common, because I might be the common denominator. I might be the only person who knows all 20 people in the room. Oh, interesting. But for this large project, they're all here. And I will create a, a work to create a community amongst them. So they, hey, you didn't know this about Dave in Japan, but he also plays rugby. Peter, you're in Switzerland and you love rugby. How funny. And just create some way so that they can interact as a, as a team. Um, and sports are great for that. Um, You're creating moments of serendipity, serendipitous moments of connection between people that didn't know they had so much in common. Absolutely. That's a huge, that creates, huge, huge, yeah. huge theme for us. And we even write in our book about how gratitude uh, can elicit serendipity. Uh, you know, for instance, if you ask, um, if you ask a hundred people on a virtual gratitude experience, our signature gratitude question, 
Uh, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in life that you never thought to thank, um, who would that be? And let's say out of 100 people on the call, 25 thank their mother, 10 thank their teacher, five thank their dog, and six thank their grandfather that served in World War II. Well, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of new connection. What? There's six people on this call whose grandfather's served in World War II that they're grateful for. Connect them together. Oh, my God. It's magical. Gratitude when practiced or used as a tool to elicit emotional connection within communities is amazing. That's awesome. I like the idea of using that. The idea there you mentioned of here, let's use gratitude to open up a conversation around something kind of personal for a lot of people to create interpersonal communication links, um, which is then obviously again going to create a much more transparent and joyous conversation in general for everybody, emotional, which then is going to lead to uh, greater business outcomes. If I'm putting my sales hat back on, that's it. That's 100% of what we do. How do you bring people, regardless of who those people are, whether they're within a company or a company bringing their customers or their partners or investors, whatever, and how do we facilitate conversations around gratitude so that people in the experience can get to know each other in a non-work-related way, build psychological safety, trust, emotional connection, community. So that when you have them leave the experience and go have those hard conversations around whatever, they trust each other. They're willing to meet in the middle. They're willing to split that difference. They're willing to get it done to get it done because that's what's good for all involved. And that's we've seen that across tens of thousands of relationships uh, with hundreds of companies in the last you know, eight years. And it's been a blessing to be a part of. Well, Alex, I want to respect your time and I want to respect our listeners' time. Um, folks, you've, uh, you've heard a lot of different takeaways. You've heard me challenge a few things. You've heard Alex give some tremendous answers around um, the infinity of gratitude, not making gratitude a limited destination-oriented thing. I could go on and on in future uh in future articles and conversations about this. But one of the things that popped up is the idea that we've got so many telic activities that have a meaning, a purpose, a destination, a goal, an endpoint that we do on a daily basis, especially if you're in the world of sales. You got to hit that goal. You got to hit that threshold. You got to do that thing. It's got to come to a finite end where you get that yes. We do a lot of those things on a day-to-day basis. But what Alex was talking about is how do we make time for those atelic activities, those activities that have no finite end, have no necessarily meaning or purpose. You do them because they feel good for yourself and others that are involved. And that's a gratitude practice. That's being consciously aware of how you feel in relation to others and expressing that in a pro-social way. That is gratitude. And Alex taught us that. Um, the importance of having both of those things, telic activities and atelic activities in your life at the same time, um, having places to achieve and have places just to do for the sake of doing in relation to others. Um, and that was my big takeaway from the call today. Alex, any last words in closing? 
Uh, hey, Chris, really wonderful to be here and, and chat with you. And, and your voice sounds great. So don't worry <laughs> about that microphone. And uh, yeah, just I'm super grateful for being able to get on this podcast with you and kind of talk about it. And you've actually opened up my mind to a couple of things I probably could do a lot more of because it's a, it's a great, great methodology. So thank you. Of course. My pleasure. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Um, look, you could think that this is just a bunch of woo-woo crap between two dudes chatting from halfway around the world, but I promise you it's not. Um, there's a lot of science and psychology um, behind all, all, all the work that we're talking about here today. A lot of that we've written about in our Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Gratitude Through Hard Times. It's available on Amazon and anywhere that books are sold. Um, this is just the first of many conversations we're going to have with Alex. I think that he's got some pretty neat original thoughts on this topic and, and look out for some of the maybe blog posts or articles that we're going to do in conjunction with each other. I know maybe we'll, we'll record part two in September in Switzerland at some point, but, uh, thanks for tuning in. Alex has achieved uh, a very high level of success at one of the world's largest companies by maintaining an attitude of gratitude and really caring about his customers. I hope that encourages you to go out and dive deeper into showing gratitude to your customers, building a community of customers, listening to the needs of your customers in an empathetic way, and going out and, and knowing that that's just helping the world become, uh, you know, one step better, just taking care of people. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, there's some links in the show notes below to some of the research studies we talked about here today, but I hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed your time. Again, if you're a new listener, please click that subscribe button. We appreciate hearing in your feedback, questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. Stay tuned for the next episode of Gratitude Through Hard Times. This has been Chris Shembra. Hope you're having a phenomenal day on earth. Remember, folks, it's your world. Go explore and we'll see you next episode.